everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Hello and welcome to LOI Central episode 10. On today's show we have Aaron McAniff, formerly of obviously Shamrock Rovers, now at Hearts, and Tim Clancy, the Drogheda United manager. They're absolutely riding high at the moment, having beaten St. Patrick's at the weekend. And uh, we will discuss uh, what's going on uh, in terms of the league as well. Very shortly with myself, Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald in association with futureticketing.ie. And we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, and so on. And uh, thanks for our interaction. You're all your interaction so far. We'll be giving away a pizza with Four Star Pizza uh, towards the end of the show. Dan, how are you keeping? Um, what's going on? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, I'm okay. It's, uh, I mean, it's not exactly a, an effusive sort of like no. you know, over the top greeting. Like, what do you say to people these days? You know, it's like, how are you getting on? I'm grand. You know, right. everyone's sort of like. Yeah, I'm all right. Well, I mean, that's if you even see people. I mean, you don't even don't have as many of those um, sort of uh, scenarios in a day where you're like introduced to someone or, you know, you shake someone's hand or do you say hello or, you know, or, you know, how are you, how are you getting on? And actually, you want to tell them all of your problems. Obviously, you can't just say hello. No, nope. you know? yeah, nobody cares, but you you uh, you hadn't lost your score and touch in Astro on Saturday and you still have not even though we're not moving well at all. Nobody, we're not. No, moving well, well, that was our, our first our first kickabout in many months. Um, do you remember the time think, when we used to have? I think it's needed to run, as they'd say in racing yeah, parlance. Blue up post race. If if um if you remember when we used to have a TV show back in the day, we used to have these bullet points at the start the show. There are a few bullet points I want to get through. <laughs> See, it was a year ago, Johnny. Is it? No, it was fifteen it like months ago. ago. Well, our, our, like our, our TV career uh, without <laughs> Ricky, uh, as as it was, was I don't know. I'm trying to think. Is it like Ali Dia for Southampton that time? <laughs> the bloke could come off the bench. Llewellyn Riley, yeah, exactly. Um, um, we, we were creating I, I waves the, as well in our I heads. enjoyed it for the five shows or so we did it. Yeah. it Butch Harmon style, staring to camera. Yeah. And I feel we really could have mastered that across the year, but it, uh, Let, let's get it to wasn't to be. Points. That was the one thing. Listen, you know, COVID took wasn't away. To Let's get to the bullet points because we've clearly been running over the time pretty much every show this this year. Because bullet just, points, go for it. Bullet points. It. First one, um, maybe a little bit unexpected. Dara Doyle's comments after the Longford game. He says the integrity of the league in relation to the Watford situation. You, you've written many times about people infighting in the league, fighting their own corner, this, that, and the other, only looking out for themselves. Dara Doyle made a point here that basically, like, you know, it's better for us that Watford are losing games here. It helps our our chance of staying up. Let's be honest about it, but it's not good for the integrity of the league. I thought that was really, really kind of um, just decent of them to say that this Longford Town would be better off if Watford were losing every week, but this isn't good for the league. We need this sorted, and I have to laud them for that. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, like, listen, obviously, we have Tim Clancy on. I mean, there's certainly the 7 0 that they've got is a in a 10 team league, you know, it's a freebie that probably shouldn't shouldn't really happen. Yeah. Um, and I suppose Sliger Rovers have got points now without having to do anything much as you would have expected them to win. Um, and of course, they would have won against the 19s. Um, you know, it, I don't know how I feel about it really. Like, I think probably if the league hadn't introduced COVID rules at the start of the season, they would have got grief because last year was a bit, you know, it was a bit sort of on the, on the hoof a bit. Like, I think I've, I discussed this last week. I'm not going to repeat it. And then they left themselves open to all sorts of accusations that, you know, the, the Shamrock Rovers COVID case, it came early enough for them to reschedule games. Obviously, clubs later in the season didn't have that freedom. And it was all very less than ideal. So they have introduced measures this year. Yes, they're not they're not flawless. But yeah. I, I do, 
I don't often sympathize with the FAI, but there is a small bit of damned if you do and damned if you don't. I this, agree. To, to some degree, I don't know what they could do. If they'd left it flexible and said, okay, listen, you know what? This season is quite long. We probably will allow a couple of COVID postponements. I just don't know. I don't know where you find that the happy medium. Um, like, you know, and I know I spoke to another manager about this previously, um, you know, off air, you know, they were talking about, I might have been actually a player, but saying maybe, you know, would each club be given one or two, you know, obviously you can't, you can't use it like three, four times in a season, but yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't know how you release yeah. that. I, I, I mean, his, I, his comments are, are, are you know, I, I, yeah, because in, in fairness, Longford have lost every game since, or sorry, not won a game since they played Derry, who were desperate on week one. So it's going to be a long season for them. They're fighting for their lives. And I thought after the Bowes game, which is fairly demoralizing, they were well beaten. To come out and say that I thought was just just decent. Sligo Rover Stadium plan. Um, apparently, the, the projections in terms of how much this would cost have skyrocketed. Not in not in the last few years, in the past few months, because construction costs in Ireland have gone up so much. 17 million, Dan, it's an eye-watering figure. How realistic it is, who knows, but what do you make of it? Yeah, listen, we've we've seen stadium models and, and announcements and proposals before, but I don't want to just automatically be cynical about one mm. then because of those past experiences. Um, like, unfortunately it takes a long time to get things done in Ireland, particularly if you're a football club. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes easier in order, you know, for a GEA stadium, but then again, they have uh, a sort of a, a central body that, that has, you know, strong funding strength, you know, um, whereas the FBI really is only in a position to offer uh, political support, um, yeah. you know, and that's basically all it can do. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a good proposal. Um, you know, it, it looks good on paper. I think opening up to other sports, you know, the suggestion that rugby could be held there, I think that's a good thing to do. Not just, listen, PR-wise, it's good as well, let's be honest, you know, as well as just the general uh, idea. And listen, the idea of uh, sort of facilities being shared, you know, is exactly where we should be going in this country. Don't talk um, to Shells fans. Well... Yeah, well, that's true. But I, I'm more so talking about between codes and between no, organisations. Obviously, you know, there's, I understand the, the, the complexities of the, 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 the shells one and, and why there's opposition to it. But I'm just saying in, in general terms, particularly particularly regionally, maybe, you know, that like you have, um, you know, you, if you have a, a sporting hub in Sligo, it's a bit like up in, in Finn Harps, like the new stadium will sit into the, the Finn Valley Athletics Complex and all this. And like it makes sense. It's it's a community benefit. And in fairness, it's like Rovers, they've shown themselves that they offer a service, a benefit to their community. So they should like they should be the front of the line, really, for 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 funding. But of course, you know, all caution is 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 necessary to be applied. Um, I I hope this this is not one of these projects that we go. I oh, remember that launch, mm. um, and I hope that they have the they have the political support locally. Um, to really to really kick it off. What's next on the list, Johnny? Next, next on the list, um, Shamrock Rovers versus Derry City. Uh, I, you were I there, was, of course. I was at yeah. the game. I was. I got uh, some criticism um, from from a couple of Derry fans from my match report in RT that it didn't state firmly enough about the you know the goal. To be fair, now I watched it back again afterwards. This was a terrible, terrible decision. Oh, it was so yeah. bad. Like it, it, it was really, really bad, and it was terrible refereeing. Basically, that you know, a throwing could be taken. I was probably looking down, and next thing, the ball was on the pitch, which wasn't. I wasn't alone in that because, like, the ball was so far away from where it should have been taken. 
that I, I was probably like waiting for a restart or whatever I was doing anyway. Derry City players, I have a lot of sympathy for them here because they were playing well. They had a game plan. They'd expose weaknesses in Rovers. They'd gone 1-0 up. There's no legislation. You cannot defend a situation like that where a throw is taken the guts of 15, 20 yards away from it should be taken. I don't know. Like the linesman is obviously the far side. I'm not really blaming him. It was a terrible decision. Um, and then... Derry, Derry had some other arguments in terms of the game, but I'll tell you what, Dan, just looking at the Rovers' bench, their squad just doesn't look as formidable as it did with Aaron Green's injury, with Farouge's injury. Mm. And in the, ga- in the game itself, they didn't look like this team that are, are certain champions, even, even if Pats had actually lost the day before. And Derry were, again, quite impressive on the road. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, let, let's, I mean, to keep this tight, let's bullet point two things together. Like, we'll talk about draw the Pats, but Tim, yeah. anyway, because I, I said last week, you know, Pat's game was a big game of the weekend because they needed to to get back on the horse quickly. They didn't deliver. Uh, well, they didn't. But the fact that Rovers did drop points the following day has softened the blow to some degree. Do you know what I mean? Like, in, it's conceivable, you know, if it's conceivable. And, and listen, Sligo Rovers are still hanging around there. Listen, it's a, it's a team we've discussed throughout the season. Like, you know, Rovers should win the league. We expect they win the league. But who are they playing they are, on Friday, Dan? This is but the beauty not, of it all. But they're, they're they go not, to Dundalk they, now. To, they Dundalk, to Dundalk can help the other title contenders. But but like like just Rovers aren't quite purring yet. No matter yeah. what they say, like they're not. And like there is clearly, you know, if there was a, a really really formidable experienced rival to them, you know, the you would be discussing at this stage mm, where's this going. You wouldn't be mm. talking about them as sort of a team that can't be stopped. Um, but the, that rival just doesn't exist. As you see, Pats are still a work in progress. And and, and and I think you'll find the same with Sligo Rovers. And also, as much as I say, the Rovers squad isn't uh, formidable with a couple of injuries. They still can afford a couple of injuries. I don't think the two teams closest to them could afford to suffer the injuries that they have. But yeah, I mean, the, the decision is terrible. Um, in defense of yourself and anyone doing a report, this is the thing you've no replays, you know. You, well, you, you have that to, to be fair. I'm, I'm well, not, you do, you do, you do what you do, you can watch it back I, after I, the event. I, I, but, I should have done better on this. I said it was, it was, it looked a few yards away from the ball. It was I mean, a lot more yeah, than that. it was, um, it was bad. And listen, and you Rory know, Higgins Steve, dad um, had a major pop at me, um, and I just that was it, like, so I couldn't defend myself. It's like, well, yeah, there you go on social media, but like, Stephen, um. You know, and Stephen Bradley praised in the quick thinking, but listen, you know, obviously, if it was the other way around, there'd be, there'd be, there'd be war, you know, mm. um, and it, it was just a bad decision. I mean, again, I, I thought it was an interesting one that Rovers, w- when falling behind, equalised very quickly, so they didn't have that long. Like, like if you look at the games where they've fallen behind, they always get back on on song. And it, uh, the fascinating challenge would have been if if the, you know if it stayed one nil for another 10 minutes like what would have happened you know as it was they were dead to 10 and like Derry had their moments um but i suppose listen it's it's you know for the chasing pack it's a sort of glimmer of light you know i mean Derry, i don't think rory higgins would say like that they are finished article by any stretch and yet they've managed to go away to rovers and get a point so i think for everyone else that's that's there's, there's a degree of encouragement they can they can take from that, and as you mentioned, with one or two injuries they have in certain positions, like I think you know they're 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 gonna they're gonna have some challenging weeks, you know, um, and it's just about whether another club can can put a run together to 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 really yeah. test them. Very briefly as well, Bowes um, coming along nicely. They were very good in Longford. Devoy was brilliant for the first goal as well, and they are hitting their stride quite nicely now. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, like, obviously, you know, Longford have been quite competitive and decent in recent games. So it's not, you know, a routine enough win against them is not just like, 
you know, a given for anyone. And so I wouldn't underestimate it, underestimate it at all, two Scottish lads scoring. Um, I mean, I, I, listen, like they, they obviously had that real disappointment against Rovers um, in Tala, but probably could take some degree of encouragement from it. And it might just be that some of the new signings are sort of hitting the ground running and they're learning a bit more about um, themselves and, and and they may be in a position to to sort of to to sort of take off, you know, yeah. because you, you there's obviously a lot of ingredients there for stability in terms of management and you know consistency and management and and you know um in a 36 game season, I suppose you can afford a bit of a slower start. You know, you have more time to make up. Like, you know, they, they're only starting the second series of games. So like it's it's you know it's not beyond the realms of possibility at all. That that Bowes could be looking at second spot by the end of this round of games. You know, it's Absolutely. not really just to talk about. Absolutely, and um, yeah, it was great to watch some of the playoffs last night with uh, with with some of the crowds back. It was just great to hear crowds. At a oh, listen, game. they even the I, I didn't I, I watched a bit of the FA Cup final. To be honest, mm. I, I wasn't at a game on Saturday and was, was trying to follow, um, you know, the Rovers Derry game and, and watched a fair bit of that. But it was, you know, what I saw a bit of the cup final, and it's just a natural. Adrenaline rush, you almost get off the presence of crowds, and we're looking forward to it. I mean, we could have that at Derry um, next week because obviously, um, Derry as it is, you know, like the uh, Derry really is uh, is the wrong side of the border in a lot of ways, but uh, you know, they, they, they might be able to use their position to their advantage to get the uh, we can stadium open. We, we can bring that, that up with yeah. uh, Aaron McAniff in due course. Dan mentioned two Scots obviously scoring for Bowes and the win over Longford. Aaron McAniff having, uh, you know, restart his career in Scotland. We'll be talking about Scotland to him. We'll also mention a bit of Scotland to Tim Clancy, given that he spent much of his life there. And here's Tim now. Listen, he's gone to, uh, I think, he probably realise it himself now, it's a massive club in, in the hearts that he's gone to. Um, the setup's unbelievable. The training ground you have in Rickard and in the Orium, um, and then the stadium itself is, uh, listen, it's, it's the best ground I ever played in. Um, for atmosphere, it's real tight really, to the yeah. pitch. Really, yeah, yeah it's, it's ridiculous. Like, and don't get me wrong, you have Celtic Park and you have Ibrox. That's brilliant atmosphere for big games, European nights, and uh, all foreign games. But let's be honest, the Celtic fans aren't going to be chomping at the bit to kill you at home on a Saturday, are they? So, mm. um, the Edinburgh Derby's uh, huge, huge games, and uh, listen, it's a massive club he's at, and um. Listen, he's played a lot of games here now with Derry and then with Shamrock Rovers, so he's gone over there with loads of experience. And um, from what I've seen, like he's, he's hit the ground running. They've had a good season there, um, got promoted, and now next year is going to be really enjoyable for him. It's still kind of frustrating in the sense of we, we were talking about Sligo Rovers, 17 million development. That's big, big news. But like the likes of yourselves, I know Drogheda are working on their stadium plan with so many clubs, miles, miles, miles behind where we should be. And I, I always got the impression from you that it's not that you look down on the League of Ireland, but it's like you realise from being in Britain for so long that geez, we're just miles off in, in ways. It's not, not to look down on the League of Ireland. It's just that, listen, if we could get, I know it's, I said you're miles off, but if we got 10 Tallah stadiums around the country... Um, that, that could take 20, 25 years. It could, but also then if, if you get uh, training facilities, I know Shamrock Rovers have it, but and Sligo have a good setup now in fairness with the... Um, Ashton Turf pitch and then the, the grass pitch they have there as well and I've seen that there was uh, development plans for their stadium which would again be exactly what we need in the country um, it's just we don't have at the minute in Ireland and it can be frustrating in the industry mm. um, I said it previously like if you said to someone like 
seven o'clock or half seven on a Friday night, like they're not first thing that's not going to come to their mind is League of Ireland. Unless you're in the circle that we are where that's the sole focus on us is the League of Ireland on a Friday night. It's just that anybody, if you say it to them, people that even know anything about football in the UK, three o'clock on a Saturday, they know it's football like. Yeah, um, but it's it's a lot more than that though, in that I texted Dan, I don't know, Friday or Saturday, I said, Did you talk to Tim Clancy after the game? No, I spoke to Kev Doherty. Tim Clancy ran off to do his night shift. Um, that's the industry in this country at the moment where you basically are at a club where you need to take a second job. Yeah, again, listen, um, we're not in a position to to go full-time at the minute at Drogheda. Um, and again, I think clubs do dive into that too quickly. Um, I know there is talk of it and spoken to Connor provisionally about uh, plans Connor for the future. Ho, yeah. yeah, the chairman. And it's it's not something that I'd want the club to dive into straight away and say, right, let's go full-time next year. There has to be a, there has to be a feeding-in period there and... Um, you can't just dive into these things because too often uh, in this country you'll see a club that have fired money at it. And listen, Cork is the is the recent example probably where and dropped in a lot and dropped in the past and with Cork in recent years with a lot of success with John Caulfield and he had a great squad at uh, Cork and um, it sort of dries up and then all of a sudden they find themselves in the first division and that happens quite a lot. Like because um, it even happened to Shamrock Rovers were in the first division at one stage. And you look at their infrastructure now that they have in place where you can't see that ever happening to them again. But we need another another 10 to 15 clubs in the country with the exact same um, setup as Shamrock Rovers to get a to get a league that again is is going to um improve. And I think it probably has with the with the young players and the age demographics of it has changed. It's got a lot younger league and it is more of a feeding ground now for um for the for maybe players to get a, get moves to the UK. But they're not going over as kids where we're losing them um, at 15, 16 years of age, being lobbed out to a different country. And there's a lot more uh, stuff that comes into it than just your football and ability when, when that's the case. Um, so if we can get a lot more clubs that have the infrastructure the Shamrock Rovers have, and we know that that costs money and it takes time, but uh, the sooner that we can get four, five, six, and then 10 plus clubs in the country like that, um, we'll have a right code league in our hands. Yeah, I mean, Tim, like... Uh... We've spoken about this before. I did a piece which at the start of the season. So people are broadly aware, but Johnny sort of touched on it there. I mean, like you, you basically, because you like you, you have four kids and you have sort of a, a family to, to feed, you know, that effectively you need to work a second job. You need to work mainly night shifts in, in Musgraves, sort of a cash and carry. So like, I don't know, like, you know, on, on nights like Friday night where you've executed a win over a full-time team, and yet, like you're, you're obviously buzzing, you know, you're obviously buzzing. But then you have yeah. to sort of go home and and probably I don't know, like drop stuff off in the house or whatever, and 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 head out. And you're through the night on Friday night, like you're working, you're driving around or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, while maybe the people you're up against are at home in bed sleeping. Like, how comfortable are you with that in your head? Do you take pride that this is listen, we're doing a great job, I'm doing that, or or kind of go the other way and frustrate you and think? Why am I here? And I know that your line is, there's no ego about that. I know it's not about ego. It's nothing to do with that. It's just pure, like, the demands on you are obviously pretty intense, I would suggest. Yeah, listen, um, I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. Um, it's something that I'm doing short-term. Now, it's been two years now at this stage, so it's it's fairly long-term. But, uh, listen, I could I could um, sit and just live off me, draw the wage, um, it'd be all right. Like, uh, it's not the fact that Drawda don't pay money that I'm not been able to survive at and I can, like, but it's just an opportunity for myself at the minute. Um, where I'm at and the, the, the club that I'm in that 
we are part time, so um, I do I go out and work because it's extra money. It's extra um, five or six hundred quid a week that we can put away and save. And we've got a child now, Alea, that Torella's kids going to. Uh, well, hopefully, please God, she's going to Queen's University next year in Belfast. So there's more bills that are coming that way, and um, she'll be living away from home. And I hope well, she'll probably be living with um, Shawnee's mom up in Belfast. So, but that's another another one we'll have to give her money each week to live off and. It's just more bills that have to be paid, and listen, I have no problem with doing it. Um, but I do think it's going to be um, not a long-term situation because I do have ambitions to get into full-time football here, and um, hopefully, if I, if I get into a job where uh, the infrastructure are right, and you can have a because I've had half a career Stephen Kenny had, I'd be delighted. Um, mm-hmm. But I also have aspirations of getting back to the UK to um, full-time professional football as well, and um, this is just a part of part of my career that uh, I'll be double job at the minute um, but again listen, yeah listen we, we get the win um, I ring Kevin the way home and then I head off to work and you do get a little bit envious when you do see other people then they go home and put their head down for the night and get up the next morning and head to training and do um, recovery sessions and video analysis and whatever else um, at the minute we don't have the luxury of that um, Kev's obviously works as well um, full time so but it is what it is um, it just means that we have to try and make up ground elsewhere and so far, we've been doing pretty all right this season, and we try and continue that. Yeah, I mean, listen, you, you can tell me you don't want to talk about this if you, if you don't want to, but it's obviously been an intense enough run for you. Like that, and listen, I know Kev spoke on, on Friday. He's obviously he had COVID. He was off the grid for a while, but I know like you lost your mother a couple of weeks ago, and um, I didn't realize previously when I spoke to you at the start of the season when we were talking about your mad workload, she was also un- unwell. I mean. I don't know, has football been a, a bit of a release for you? Just, you know, because it's obviously been a pretty, I can only imagine how demanding a time it has been. Yeah, it's been tough. Um, listen, Kev went through it last year when, when COVID kicked off. Kev lost, lost his staff, funnily enough. Um, it was a year ago yesterday. Um, in difficult circumstances as well. And uh, it is hard to sort of juggle things and whatnot. But I don't know any different than football. That's what I've done my whole adult life. Um, from the second I left school here, um, to turn the millennium that I've been involved in football for the last nearly 20 years. So um, it's maybe not a release around like that, but it certainly gives you a focus um, when things are a little bit difficult. And my mum had a short battle with cancer, which um, obviously wasn't wasn't ideal, but uh, it's, it's, listen, certain families go through a lot worse than what we went through. And my mum got to 73 and seen 16 grandchildren and um, she had a good life as well. So... You have to be grateful for for um, what we have as well. When we were up in the graveyard yesterday, and bless, there's a little five year old buried just behind her. So you look at things like that, and you have to you have to be grateful as well. And um, football so probably gave me initially in on short term a, a focus because we we're up in Derry the night before she passed, and then we had a game on the Tuesday night against Shamrock Rovers. So you have to be able to sort of um, keep your mind occupied, and, and and you have a job to do as well. So it's just something we have to get on with. Do you ever get the mm. sense that you're, because this is obviously something new to you, that you're almost parking the grief because you don't have enough time to even deal with it. It's just straight into football again. And would you be afraid that geez, this is going to, this is going to hit me a lot harder down the tracks because I haven't even, I've, I'm doing two jobs where I don't even have time to think about this properly. Yeah, listen, um, obviously everyone deals with grief and whatnot differently. And um, I've had me moments, don't get me wrong. And uh, I know some of my sisters are finding it very hard and that, but, it is what it is. Like um, I was speaking to a close friend of mine there, who whose dad passed away suddenly uh, three years ago, and 
he said it wasn't until months, months later that he actually picked up his phone to ring his dad and he realised, God, like, it's, it's, it hit him then. Like, he was driving, I think it was two or three months after his dad passed and um, that's when it hit him. Like, and he just said, like, so you never know. It is what it is. You, you might have to uh, deal with that as well and you might get a bit of grief. But um, no, listen, we have, a, we have a big family here and especially me, me wife and the kids and all to, to focus on as well and I help you through it. And um, It's difficult, but listen, it's, it's, it's a part of life. It's a day day in day out occurrence for for everyone like so I suppose just the other thing as well I think the last time I saw you at a game was when Drogheda played uh, Galway last year in 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 um heading the game park and I just thought that after the game that you kind of looked like you were running on empty in terms of work and the job and I think you were I think you were saying at the time I am I am tired here like how do you marry the fact that you have four kids um you have your home life you've you've to deal with like progressing Drogheda as best you can and then you have a night shift as well. We all remember Homer Simpson with his door, the two doors banging his head when he was doing the, the two shifts and he was just falling asleep in the job. Do you worry about that at all? Like the stress levels and just fatigue and so on? Yeah, but you deal with it. You acclimatise. We're strange species we are. So mm. no matter what gets thrown at us, you just deal with it. You cope with it and you get on with life again. There's a hell of a lot of people in worse positions than I am that work three, four jobs maybe and weekend jobs and everything. So... Um, I still get grief from the wife saying that football's not a real job, so I can't really count that as a second job. So, but um, no, it it is what it is. Like it's just reality for the for the, the minute anyway for the time being, and um, hopefully that will change. Whether it be uh, an opportunity to go full time with Drod or something else comes up, where it might be a, a career progression that. I might have to seriously consider. Well, like how feasible is it that Drogheda might go full time, and obviously you're going to be linked with. I don't know. I mean, it's you've been in Drogheda quite a while now, and it's it's taken some time for maybe the recognition to be there. I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know, yourself and Kev, it took a long time maybe for people to talk about the job you're doing at Drogheda, whether you got promoted or not, because of the budget you had. And now, like you've lost three games so far this season, being pretty much competitive in nearly every one of them. Um, is it feasible Drogheda could go full time? I think there is plans. I know the chairman has spoke about it um, for a couple of years down the line. It might be um, something that the club will be able to implement. Um, but again, I think they're in the process of um, finding a training venue for the for the underage and academy. Um, and again, that's another another expenditure that most clubs have if they're renting training grounds where they spend tens and tens of thousands of euros on renting venues where they could be putting that money into their own training venue and I think if you have your own base where you can be um, set out of that, it'll certainly give you a better opportunity to go full-time. And I know that the club are taking massive strides since um, in the last few seasons um, off the pitch and with the likes of Connor and some of the business minds that they have in on the board, that um, that's a good thing. And I'm sure further down the line that they're looking at, um, I know there's plenty of talk with the new stadium. I don't know where that's at at the minute, but um, if you can implement a train of... Uh, facility in there as well that it would put the club into a lot better position to make that transition um, in a couple of years I think Tim like with, with some of your players this season I mean the secret is out I suppose and there's probably just two sides to that equation you know there's you know attention will naturally come and I suppose listen you probably try and sell that to them you said that to me before like you, you obviously want players that are wanted by other clubs because you put them in the you, you put them in the shop window and that's part of the gig like have you been surprised in any way by how they've adapted to it or is it what you've expected? I mean, I'm talking about the obvious ones. You know, James Brown is on another level in terms of probably his, his awareness of him now. 
Mark Doyle's another one scored on Friday night. And even some of the younger lads like Killian Phillips and people who maybe weren't involved last season have come into the radar. And there's others you can name. I'm just picking out a couple. Like, how proud are you of how they have adapted to this new normal for them, this Premier Division challenge? I think, as you said there, you touched on it, Dan. I think the, the biggest difference this season is just exposure. Um, Jimmy Brown's playing similar to what he played last season. He was brilliant for us last season and he was improving all the time. It's just exposure now. Um, Mark Doyle, again, was was unbelievable last year with 13 goals and 18 games. They got us promoted, more or less. Um, and it's just now that with the Premier Division becomes more exposure and more interest and more... Um, journalists like yourselves that go to games and report on it. Um, we had no issue in regards to what we uh, felt they were capable of doing in the Premier Division. Um, athletically, they're very good. And as you said there, I spoke to you previously about I want to sign players that, and it's no disrespect to Drotter, that don't want to be a Drotter, um, that they want to be maybe full-time over in England or something like that, and they're very ambitious because the benefit that I get out of that and the Drotter to get out of it, we have a very good, hungry young team. And if we can marry that with the experience that we have brought in, I think we've got that balance um, really well this season with uh, Dane Massey coming in with the experience he has, Gary Deegan, um, Ronan Murray, Dinny Corcoran, even Dan O'Reilly's a lot younger, but he's got a lot of experience as well. And Dara Markey's in that bracket. And that's brought the young lads on loads. Um, and again, with, with the likes of Killian Phillips coming in that never played last season, but Killian's been training with us full-time first team since before the break last year. And... Um, athletically and physically he's been very very good and in training so when he did get his opportunity we knew that he was ready we weren't throwing him in too early and now he's uh, blossomed into a fantastic young footballer that physically is very very good and um, we're giving him the opportunity to, to learn and make them mistakes and um, it's a good environment with the with the older experienced lads there helping them along to, to develop. Just on the experienced lads you brought in and I suppose thinking in terms of Friday's game it was very obvious like, I mean, Dane Massey obviously scored a free kick, which puts him, I mean, that's you don't expect that from a centre half necessarily, but just his overall contribution. And Deegan, I mean, Gary Deegan really just give you the platform in the middle of the park. Just he was so crucial to that game. I and mean, people might have all seen that game. I mean, the, the way things ended for Deegan at Shells was a bit strange. Like, you know, they, they, they got relegated, and I don't know, like, were, were people sort of unsure about how he'd contributed? Like, did you have. You know, did you have to sort of meet lads to get a handle on where they were at? Or even as Massey's regarded as a great pro, always has been. There's still someone leaving Dundalk and, there's, you know, that's obviously you know, a year of injury. Like, did you have to meet lads to just get a handle on, yes, these are the personalities that suit us? Yeah, listen, yeah, if I know Gary. I played with Gary in, in Scotland at Hibs, so I know exactly what the is about. And um, I knew what he'd bring to us and uh, the type of character he was. Um, I didn't actually just to briefly interject, I didn't know he played with him because I thought that is an interesting signing because like Lazarus said he's in shells he got relegated he's getting on why would you sign him so now it kind of makes sense to me it wasn't just for his madness and the beard and so forth yeah listen I think that's what what people look at Diggs and they see the, the the aggression and they see the the beard and listen he's brilliant he's unbelievable like it's just, it's not just uh, on the pitch like he turns up a trainer and he does all his prehab and um, he's 30, whatever he is now, and he's ripped to the bone. He's in unbelievable condition. He looks after himself, and that's why he's played 500 games in, in the UK mm. um, in professional football. Like, and You don't play 500 games over in, in England or Scotland if, uh, if you're slack and you're not a good player. Like, um, Yeah, people talk about his discipline and whatnot, and 
listen, he's made over 100 interceptions now and got the ball back for 100 times, I think, in the last uh, 12 games this How season. How do you know so, that? Your stats, you can go into... Um, interceptions. Getting into proper yeah, break and like, you can go here now. Well, it's just maybe dispossessions, whatever you want to call Person. it. But, um, he's leading that by a considerable amount in the league this season. Now, you can look at him two ways. Who's second? Uh, a. Durvin was second after 10 games anyway. and um, I think it was uh, Dave Webster was third um, in the stats that were up. But now you look at that and you'll say, well, he's making a lot of interceptions because we don't have the ball a lot. But um, when you're making that many tackles and interceptions and all, you listen, you, you got to take that. You're going to miss time some of them when you get yellow cards. And I certainly wouldn't take that away from Diga's game. Um, he's been phenomenal since he's come in. And as you said there, you, you, you merged that with Dave Massey at the back. And I know Dane sort of wanted to play left back this year and I've sort of convinced him that it's a lot easier and you do a lot less running when you play centre half. And <laughs> the dynamics of left back for Dundalk in a dominant team for 10 years is a lot different from a, a team that's just got promoted and play a lot of counter-attack in football. It's a completely different position and um, Dane's probably seen that now. It's, a, it's, a, it's probably a lot better position for him to be tucked in one now at the minute in our team. Um, and then you have like Ronan Murray's come in as well and the standards that Ronan has is very very good and it might be with the career that he had as well that some of our players might have been used to um, the verbal sort of encouragement and uh, is that what you call us? well listen uh, the encouragement and letting people know when things aren't done right that that's football like it's it's, at the end of the day some, some people I think take things personally but it's at the on a Friday night when we play a game can that I ask you all... that I, I, I don't I, I, I've seen Ronan Murray in action and I, I think you can take this two ways I've seen him play for Galway United sort of mouthing at lads on the pitch that are younger than him especially if a player has just joined the club he's not there that long if he's mouthing at Connor Kane I would technically look, look at that and say well you're only here a wet week yet at the same time he's obviously looking for standards here no it's not it's not mouthing once it's uh, constructive mm. um, it's not what you say it's, it's how you say it to players like him most listen, what you probably don't see then is you might see the, the the flashpoints of people getting onto each other, but you're not seeing the nine out of ten times the encouragement then, the little small words that's giving lads confidence. Mm. And most of the standards again, he comes in, he does his prehab and does all his stuff. It's just the level of professionalism that we see now, all the young lads starting to, to pick up on it and add things to their game. And you've got Dinny Corcoran then as well, who listen, unfortunately for Dinny, he's, he's had a little problem with his groin that we haven't been able to utilize um his attributes the last uh, four or five weeks. Um but again, Dinny's coming in with 100 goals in the top flight in this country. And it's not many people get to that, that level. And um, the experience that he brings in and how he plays it and the movement that he makes, it's, it's rubbing off on the younger lads. So um, getting the experienced lads in was very, very important for us because we had a lot of good young players with a lot of energy and a lot of athleticism. And they just maybe needed that little bit of framework uh, work off. Jim, just tell me, in your career um, playing in, in England and Scotland, who was the hardest, angriest dressing room teammate, colleague you had? You know, if you talk about, you know, someone who would be at you, but like in it, maybe in a constructive way, I'm not just saying a ranter or raver, but was there any real strong influence on you as a player? Uh, Dundee, and I, uh, sorry, the Dundee manager now, James McPaik, um, was at Hibs. Mm. He was the captain of Hibs when I was there. And Jazza, it didn't matter if you were 700 games and played for Man United or if you were a young lad in your first training session. Um, he was on to everyone like and again it, it just it didn't matter who you're saying it to or um, 
for what reason it was, it was always just focused on improving things. It was never to have a go with anyone and um, still speak to Jazza quite a lot now. And he's got a big game coming up against Kilmarnock now in the playoff to get promoted to the SPL, and the relegation promotion playoff. And um, he was like that. He was very much, uh, I suppose people call it a leader or whatever, but it's just setting examples. And again, it would be, listen, it could have been Lee Griffiths or it could have been a youth team player. If the ball was there, he was going to go through the back of whoever it was. And you just expect, you accepted it and realised that was a part of it. Um, you've other ones as well, like, listen, you players that throughout my career as well, you would have noticed this. They just, professionalism more than anything else. Like, it's not more or less like ranting and raving and getting on the lads. It's just, you'd see certain players would train really, really well every day and, if players weren't doing it, you could, it might even just be a look or a little just shaking a head or something and you'd understand that that's, that's not what everyone does and um, it sort of brings up lads around them that, to, to raise their standards. And we wouldn't really have had anyone running around just shouting and screaming at people. Mm. I don't think that's uh, beneficial at all because that would just rub people up the wrong way. Once they can um, construct their, their uh, information in the right, right uh, way, it's... That's beneficial to the team. You don't you don't mind it at all. Like, and that's I suppose what Johnny was saying there about Moz. He might come across as Moni, but he's nine out of ten times what Moz is saying is encouragement. And the one time that he does say something, you listen to it because you know it's um it's in the right manner. Yeah, um, the, the win over Pats was obviously quite significant. Um, you're fairly friendly with Stephen O'Donnell. This is something that's interesting me. Stephen O'Donnell is very friendly with Rory Higgins. Um, you know, there's a lot of these young managers are friends around the league. How do you actually maintain this now? Because I'm just imagining if you're WhatsApping each other for the last whatever it is, you and Higgins maybe are sending WhatsApp, your mates or whatever, your buds. Now all of a sudden, like how many state secrets can you share? Or is it like, you know, uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go now. Like, you know, I actually have to prepare to beat St. Patrick's Athletic on Friday. Talk as much crap as me, Johnny, and WhatsApps. It's hard to filter out the good and bad stuff, so you disguise it with that, like, but no, um, That's fair enough. <laughs> no, Johnny's but, a man who's talked about a crap on WhatsApp in his day, yeah. we all have, we all have. But, um, no, listen, again, it's it's you're preparing for a game, it's as simple as that, like, and as soon as that game was finished on Friday night, uh, Stevie's next focus is Bowes on Friday, and mine's um, Finn Harps on Friday, so. That's what I've always said that the, the highs in this game and the, the ones that you enjoy at last very, very short period of time. Um, before I left the ground on Friday night, I'm thinking of right Finn Harps next week, who's injured, who's available, who's suspended, uh, who played for them on the uh, earlier on that day and what formation were they playing and stuff like that. And uh, your focus solely goes on to the next game and you have to quickly put things behind you. But again, if you, if you don't get a good result, then you sort of filter into the week where you start focusing on where things didn't work and how to fix it and, and whatnot. So it's it's pretty quickly you move on and the next game comes about you um, before you know it. And that's it then. You're, you're, you're another round of games in and you're playing each other again. So um, it's, it's, it is what it is. Like it's close friendships and whatnot, but we're both wanting the same thing. And um, that's just a win on a Friday night. Couple, couple more questions for me. How important is Kev Doherty to set up? He's maybe the, the coffee to the tail or, or I think, as he said, the, the laurel to the hardy or whatever. But, um, you know, he doesn't get maybe the recognition that you get. Or whatever. Taylor to the cluffy. Taylor to the cluffy. I don't think he's mm. the cluffy, is he? Taylor's Taylor to the cluffy, to the cluffy. yeah. No, that don't really yeah, listen, Kev, um, listen, he's been, he's been with me since I got the job three and a half years ago. We've got a great relationship and um, obviously it was, it was unfortunate with the with the... His wife tested positive to COVID and he was a close contact and he tested negative and then he'd isolate for the 10 days and then the second test he tested positive. So he ended up missing three weeks there and uh, 
it does be difficult because the conversations and everything you normally have, um, we sort of know uh, the roles what that we have within the group. And um, when you take that away and you don't have them for three weeks there, it's difficult. But that's why we have Shawnee Brennan on as well now that um, we were delighted to get in from when he stopped playing last year. And uh, funnily enough, probably Kev not being there allowed Sean to come out of the shell a little bit more and, and do more than he probably did, which has brought him on massively in the last three weeks. But yeah, Kev's huge. Um, Again, listen, on the phone to Kev all day, every day, practically. And um, it's important the small things around the place that you don't see that um, I might overlook. It might be an oversight for me, but he nails everything. And um, we sort of work well together and that's it. Like, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's just no, the trust is, is massive uh, between the two of us. And again, I know that Anthony, he says to me, whether it be critical or um, positive, it's coming from the right place. And it's just to try and uh, improve the team. It's obvious that you're going to be linked to other jobs if you're doing well. Um, would you like your next job to be, if you have a next job or if you're at Rod or whatever, would you like your next job to be in Ireland? Are you intent on going to Britain? Um, would you take a job where there might be a fairly colourful kind of background uh, to the club behind the scenes or do you have to trust the chairman where you go next? I think, um, listen, I'm fairly young into my career at the minute. Um, I'm 36. Uh, I've got a lot of ambition. I'd love to... Um, so you draw it going full time and see how we do if we stepped it up another level we had full time and a budget that would be close to the other lads in the, in the league that could be um, compete at the top half of the table and get closer to the teams above us um, rather than looking behind us but um, again I think it has to be um, I'm looking at football for a career for the next 30 years hopefully and um, any job you take you have to weigh up all the, the, the pluses and the the negatives and um, I think the relationship you have with, with your board and the chairman is massive in that and the one that I have with Connor Hoy and um, Dermot McKenna and other lads in Atrata is is like airtight and uh, I trust them and again there's conversations where I'll say things that I mightn't be happy with and they'll say things that they're not happy with but there's no friction there around because we know that everyone's sort of swimming in the right direction and I think that's hugely important for um, for my career trajectory as well as to, to have a good relationship with the board and um, that's certainly something you would have to look at uh, if if other opportunities did arise, whether it be um, in different countries, whether it be America or England or anywhere else, that uh, you don't want to be diving into something. And then, as you know yourself, in, in the football industry, a manager could lose his job in 10 weeks and then all your good work for the last four or five years has gone down to Swanee. So um, it certainly is a huge uh, aspect of, of managerial position is the relationship you have with the, with the board and chairman. It is interesting. You have said the next job I'm going, my family are set up here, they're staying here now. That's a big, big thing to say. Like, Yeah, but again, as I said to you there, Miel is hopefully going to um, university. She will be going to university somewhere in September and um, she had four different primary schools and it's very difficult when you're, when you're constantly moving for kids to make friends and it gets to the stage then where you go, right, well, it's my career, but then you go, well, it's their life. So um, you're... you're your importance level goes from maybe career driven to family then fairly quickly and every decision after that is based upon your family first rather than uh, career and um, should something arise where I'd have to move away I'd certainly be going on my own because I wouldn't be up, up, uh, uh, up in the family again and getting out to start start uh, fresh somewhere else and the kids are all happy where we are now and um, we want to set up camp then for, for a long long time here and if that means me going away to work again it'll be similar to a lot of other people in the, in the world that have to do it Thanks a million for your time. Thanks, Tim. No water, Johnny. No water, Dan. Will Tim Clancy take the Dundalk job, Dan? Or will he even be in the running, do you think? Um, listen, if Dundalk were doing things right, he'd obviously be someone they'd be That's speaking to. 
That's um, they clearly so, aren't. Um, but uh, he would be to me like um, he, he would be a, a decent candidate. But I mean, you have to be careful about st- stepping in there early. And yeah, and about the point like um, most important thing that Dolph need now is a candidate that has a good relationship that can strike up a good relationship with Jim Magilton. Ultimately, I think for things to operate on the ground, you know, you ca- you can't have a candidate who has a relationship with the chairman in the states. But you know, are they going to? go and do something like that who knows it would be completely the wrong thing to do it'd be hard for um, me to have a relationship with you going forward after your ludicrous remarks last week that Mitz Kogan was no good in the air oh my god I listen do you know I mean if ever there's just like you know I used to slag you for making snap judgments on the basis of like one game or one player and like there was a particular header I think in the Bowes game where he was he was I think it was the Bowes game where he was very unconvincing and I just decided yeah he's probably not great in the air and All then, he has like, to do yeah. is just get his head to it, though. If you get like, if you're that tall, just get your head to it. Vig- how many goals does he have to score? How, how many like one one? Listen, a guy his his size is going to score a header. How many headers does he need to score this season for me to have met myself, met a complete arse of myself on that? I would have thought if he scores more than three headed goals this season. Mm. I'm in, I'm in bother. I'd you fancy know, him I, to I, I'd fancy him to do that, but McNamee's goal. No getting away yeah, from that. Yeah, great goal. I see some people sort of critical of some of the goalkeeping at the weekend, even, um, you know, even Yaros. I saw Dave Henderson maybe suggesting the movement of Yaros for the Massey free kick wasn't great. Mark Kenny actually tweeted me going, I think I described it as a stunning free kick. It was a great free kick, not stunning. It's like, well, oh, fair enough, Mark. You know, he's you would have known a thing or two about that. To be sc- fair. Scored good free kicks in his sleep, no doubt. Or might have been asleep while scoring a couple of free kicks in his time. Um, just fair enough comment. Before we get to our mechanism, if we should do our question this week. Four-star um, pizza. And last week's winner, um, who was last week's winner, actually? Dylan O'Connell was last week's Dylan winner. Dylan O'Connell, another, a young fan um, of the League of Ireland, a big fan of the show. So we're spreading it around geographically. It's not all going to Galway United fans. No, I mean, we're not, again, we're not spreading it around. In any, that would suggest that we are actually making some kind of decision <coughs> to win this pizza, <laughs> which is just inviting scrutiny. The, the draw... Taken, you know, which Derek presides over, um, and it's it's a rock solid draw. It did go, it did go south this week. I mean, some would say, the, you know, the draw went south many weeks ago, but it literally went south this week to Dylan. Um, yeah, in terms of this week's question, because this is sort of an Irish Scottish theme, um, with our with our guests this week with Tim Clancy and Aaron McIniff, how many times have League of Ireland clubs beaten Scottish clubs in European competition? And can you name the clubs that have done it? Which obviously suggests that the answer is plural. Um, there's more than one. Um, but yeah, how many times have League of Ireland clubs beaten Scottish clubs? And when I say beaten, I mean knocked them out of the competition, not just one-leg victories. I'm talking about knocked them out of, of Europe. How many times and who are the clubs? So yeah, I was yeah, at, again, the, I was the, at usual... the home leg of one of them and watched the... I remember watching the away leg of the other in um, in a bar in Inchicore, McDougal's actually. With uh, with a few Pats fans. Okay, I mean that that could be taken as a massive clue for how many times this happened with how Johnny phrased that. So if you listened very clearly to that previous sentence by Johnny, uh, I like to drop the hints, Ward. Then you know if you've been paying attention to the previous sentence, I'll uh, give you, you a, might clue. Have a chance. You live I'll there. Give, <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, so, that was a uh, yeah. I mean, so clearly. This, this has all happened in Johnny Ward's lifetime. People who may have been even aware of something that happened in the 60s or 70s. Uh, massive, massive hinge drop there. 
But it's you can a bit send mad that, uh, that the league Club didn't beat a Scottish club in, off. in Johnny, the, in the Johnny, years gone Johnny, by. Maybe they did. Maybe they did for the sake of this question. I mean, this is nonsense. Like we're not actually on a we're not on a we're not on a bonus for how many entries we get here. So I don't know why you've just done that. But anyway, people, send in your answers if you're in any doubt about the answer uh, to at Eloy Central Pod on Twitter, hashtag Eloy Central Pod. Alternatively, we will pick up your answers. Uh, that was a that was a shambles. Let's go to this guest. Hopefully, it's not a shambles. Yeah, Aaron McInniff, yourself and uh, Dan McDonald share the honour of uh, having a baby girl in the last while. And Pixie was born, was it last week? Uh, Friday the 7th, she was born. Uh, uh, it's probably the most special moment of my life, to be honest. Uh, surreal feeling. And um, she's back home now. She's in the other room, just having a sleep. And little does she know she was born in the middle of a pandemic. I know, I know. A lockdown, baby. Yeah. The boy McAniff has grown up. You're a dad. You're in Edinburgh. You've uh, you've taken on responsibilities in life. Where is it going to go for you? And how have you gotten on in Scotland? Well, it's been, uh, it has been great. I've, you know, in the last few years, uh, obviously moved out of my ma's house again and grew up a bit and then come here. And I'm going to have to grow up a lot more and take on a lot more responsibility. But now I've, uh, really enjoyed the whole process and um, since we've came to Scotland uh, we've settled quite quickly because Ellen would have family over here uh, that's helped us settle and then the club's been great as well in terms of you know just making you feel welcome and, and around the change room with the players and the staff has helped me settle quite quickly so I've enjoyed it all and um, you know look forward to next season more than anything now really. I think obviously Scotland's a bit ahead of us here in terms of opening up, but just I think I spoke no. to you around the time you joined. Like moving during a pandemic is obviously a bit weird, you know. Like you, you would have had to were you stopped on the way to the airport, you had to like explain <laughs> your reason for travel and, and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, uh so so how has that been like over there? Just I know you I know you'd been there before, as you mentioned. I think your partner had been to college there and stuff. Was that what it was? But you you know the area to some degree, but you know what I mean, just getting fixed up in terms of housing and you know, what local shops you want to go to and just getting familiar with an area. Like, how has that been during a pandemic? It's like, as you can imagine, it's, you know, it's not it's not the greatest, you know, start the going and living in a new city, uh, especially being a great city like Edinburgh. There's obviously a lot of things that you could have been doing or, you know, out and about and seeing things. Uh, I suppose the main thing you look forward to is going to Tesco's to do your shop during the week, you know, but um, we had a few nice days where you'd go and just sit in the park or just go for a walk, really, but other than that, there's, as you can imagine, there's not much we, we could have done, and it was quite stressful, to be honest, you know, like, knowing rules in terms of if family wanted to come over and visit, whether they had to quarantine when they went back and stuff so we we hadn't seen too much family initially when when we moved over they, we we only seen our family really last week when the baby was born they they came over then um so it, it was strange but in saying that we, we've kind of took it in our stride and we've we have enjoyed it as well uh because as i said ellen's got family here and we were able to see um her sister uh you know and she's got a wee boy so we got to see them and it's been, I've, I've enjoyed it. And, um, you know, as you say, it is a bit further ahead over here. So 
things opened up yesterday and hopefully they stay open this time and over the summer we can explore and enjoy it a bit more. So, so what was the, the football experience like? Because we often discuss it about lads going from the league and I've often said that I think sometimes it's easier to move in the summer because, you, you know, you're, you're, you joined the English pre or the Scottish pre-season fit, fully fit. He can hit the ground running and we've seen the likes of Shawnee Maguire and a few others do that. Sometimes it's a bit, I find, you know, you've seen lads in the winter, it can take them a while to get going because you've stopped. I don't know how that was for you because I know the FEI Cup final was a bit later this year, so it wasn't like mm. a, a two-month break. And I know you keep yourself reasonably fit as it is and you were, I think, back in pre-season at Rovers, but just physically, how was it? Because you're joining lads in the middle of their season. So I, I, I can yeah. imagine you had a bit of catching up to do maybe in some ways. To be honest, Dan, I, I think, you know, coming over here, uh, as you say, I would keep myself fit, reasonably fit anyway, but I did think the transition would have been a lot easier, you know, um, in terms of muscle soreness and, uh, you know, recovering after training sessions and games and stuff. Um, it did take me maybe two or three weeks to, to sort of feel normal again. And even at that, you're you're not fully match fit, you know, and... Um, I think as the season sort of went on towards the end, I started to find, you know, my stride again. And um, I did think it was going to be a lot easier. Um, but then there's there's other factors like getting used to the league, getting used to your playing with your teammates and stuff. And um, it was it was challenging at times, you know, but like not, not overly challenging. Um, but I did think towards the end of maybe... The last four games, I started to find me stride and, you know, uh, the season obviously ends in. So uh, I, I was probably at a stage where I wanted it to just keep going, really. Um, but look, that's that's obviously all comes with moving in a January window. And um, it's a, a process that I can learn from myself and uh, possibly, you know, give advice to other players going, going across in a January window um, because... It was a new challenge to me and uh, I found out a lot about myself in it. It's a massive club, Hearts. How, have you got a sense of that? Because obviously the stadiums haven't been open. So, yeah. you know, I know obviously your games have been on the, whatever, the, the iFollow or whatever their version of it is, the games have been on. Like, have you got a, just, is it, how, how do you get feedback? Is it like social media? Is it people saying hello if you're out and about as much as you're probably not out and about that much? Like, how have you got a sense of that mood on the ground, I suppose? I uh, well, to be honest, like you, you can, you can tell it's a massive club. Uh, you know, purely off social media with no fans in the stadium because, you know, every game there's a lot, you know, a lot of opinions flying about social media and stuff. And um, like for myself, I, you know, I have been stopped walking down the street and stuff, which was quite unusual to be honest because Edinburgh's a cosmopolitan city and I'm living in the city centre so I didn't think that would happen as much as it has um, and you know just even down to like maybe a delivery driver coming to your house at times or there was a fellow mm -hmm. came out to fix the radiator and he was a Hearts fan um, so that, them type of things and they, they really do love the club, the fans and you can see how passionate they are but I suppose as a player you you can say all that, uh, but you don't really get the, the full gist of it until fans are in the stadium and the stadium is packed and and you feel the atmosphere. But you can definitely get the vibe that it's a massive club and 
Um, it's something that I've embraced and I'm looking to further embrace that in the future. Yeah, I like I've no idea what system hearts play or you know the manager. I don't know anything about about it, but from the outside looking in and just speaking to Tim Clancy there, he was talking about the the atmosphere in the ground is absolutely class, as good as an atmosphere as he's had. You've joined um a club, a big Scottish club that has just gotten promoted. Um it looked mm. nearly a perfect move for you in so many levels. Uh well that that's the thing, Johnny. I, like the boys were doing well. Uh prior to me coming in and obviously you look at that and you can at in the January time uh, I obviously signed the last day but you can nearly see ahead of what's going to happen the, the promotion um, to the, the top flight again and I wanted to sort of go and, and be a part of that and then it also gave me a good sort of time to get my feet in the door settle myself and and be ready for next year you know because I, I know the, the squad now the manager the coaches people around the club and I think that'll hold me in good stead a lot for for going into pre-season this year and um, I, I've said it before uh, in my opinion hearts they belong in the top flight in Scottish football one of the biggest clubs in the country so um, it, it is great to be a part of part of that and Getting getting another medal, I suppose, for myself as well, and and doing that was was really good. But the main focus for us as players and as a club is is all about next year, really. And how ha- so? How have they been playing? Or how like for people who haven't seen them, like what is your role at Harps uh, at Hearts like compared to say at Rovers, Harps, Ali Horgan? <laughs> um, what's what's your role at, at Hearts like compared to Rovers? Like, I mean, obviously, people saw your high energy. At Rovers yeah. and you know box to box and you had an understanding with say Jack and Gary O'Neill and you had your various roles. So at, at Hearts, what are they asking of you? Um, well, well, firstly, when I came in, um, my first start, uh, we played in a four-two-three-one, I think it was, and I was one of the two, which was quite similar um, to my first year at Rovers. Um, the same sort of formation for the first maybe few months. And then, as you know, at Rovers, we played a 3-5-2 near enough. Um, and we chopped and changed a few formations because uh, we went through a bit of a sticky patch where we were drawing games and not getting results. So I've played in a few different positions since I've been here. Um, but then, as I say, when I, I feel like I found me stride and towards the end of the season, we actually did play in a 3-5-2. And I played as one of the two, just similar to how I played at Rovers. And mm. I feel I felt a lot more comfortable. And um, I think, you know, looking back at the matches, uh, you know, it suited me a lot better because it's naturally the the formation and the position that I'd been playing in before I came over. And um, I felt like I was really getting going. But obviously, the season comes to an end then. So, you know, I think... We, that that formation and the the partnership I had at the time in midfield um, with Peter Harn, I thought it was working well. Um, uh, so that that's that's sort of how it went. It was we chopped and changed for a bit, and then we we sort of found that in the last four games, and we got good results in the last four games as well. Um, and I I managed to get two goals um, myself. So we'll just see how it goes. Obviously next year, but. Um, I'm sure that that sort of end of the season will still be in the gaffer's head and uh, maybe work, maybe it's something to build on. 
I, I know you've had a lot going on in your life in the last while. So I, I you know, answer as honestly as, as, as you want to, but like, have you been able to keep in touch with the league stuff at home? Have you been watching the stuff on the watch LOI or not, or in terms of just keeping in touch with what's happening? I've watched, I've watched all the Rovers games uh, since I've come over here. And I've watched a few Derry games as well. Um, I actually watched the game just there now, last Saturday, week. Saturday, yeah. I, yeah. I watched that, What's I watched your view that on game. that? Come on. What's, <laughs> are you watching that outraged over that throw-in? <laughs> or are you thinking, oh, just well done, Scalesy. You're, you're learning the game, kid. Like, like what are you thinking? Uh, I've I seen it. And my initial reaction was, what's going on? What's the <laughs> he, he, he's, he's standing looking at the ball on the pitch and then obviously it's 15 yards up the pitch as well or whatever it was um in my opinion a referee decision like it's it's a shocking decision to be honest but um as you know as a Shamrock Grover's player like Scalesy at that time all you're thinking about is getting the ball back on the pitch as you can and um as quick as you can and they capitalized on that so as players at times and matches, you, you take what you get um, and you, you say enough and move on. But for as a referee in decision, it was horrendous. Yeah, well, Rory Higgins has this great plan to bring all these Derry lads back, including yourself. I mean, no doubt. <laughs> but like, you must have been impressed with the way they played as well. And what do you make of them? Um, I've like as I've as I've said, I've watched uh, Derry a few times, and they've, in my opinion, you know, started the season. They started off quite poorly, to be honest. Um, but just say based on the the game on Saturday, I thought you know it looked like they had a a game plan and they stuck to their game plan. Um, and it, it you know sometimes these game plans work, sometimes they don't, and it worked obviously for them on Saturday. But um, I thought they they frustrated Rovers, um, and Rovers you know always are going to have a lot of possession. Uh, that that was the way when when I was there and. That'll be the way always, I think, in, in the league. But uh, Derry, Derry done well on Saturday. You restrict Rovers to like, limited chances. And, um, you know, I know Rory quite well, to be fair. And he's uh, he's got a good football head. Um, so I'm sure he'll do a good job at Derry. Wherever you go in your career, Aaron, how grateful will you be to Stephen Bradley? Because I think you did have a, a pretty strong relationship in terms of manager-player. I think uh, like I'll always be grateful to him, to be honest. Um, I've spoke to him quite a number of times, you know, since I've been here. Uh, text him, and I've been on the phone to him a few times. He's just a he's a he's a great manager first and foremost, but he's a great person as well, you know. And I think what I find uh, with Stephen Bradley, the way he takes the person over the player first is, you know. He get he connects with people on a on a personal level and makes people feel comfortable and then you know the football and ability or whatever takes care of itself after that and uh, like I'll I'll always be grateful um I've had I've got a great relationship with him as do all the boys at Rovers really and you know the likes of Jack even as well that that moved on has a has a great relationship with him so. I'll be grateful for what he done for me uh, at my time at Rovers, and I'm sure I'll stay in contact with him for probably the rest of my life, to be honest. I take it then you're not surprised that someone like Danny Mandrew, for example, has started to hit the ground running. He would, 
Listen, I don't, I'm not sure if you necessarily had question marks over you coming from Derry, but you might have had a reputation of maybe not being consistent. You can tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong. And certainly, Danny coming from, from Bowes, you hadn't played a lot last year. People were, you know, there would have been a few question mm. marks. Yeah, you can see that he's really hit the ground running. I, I'm not saying you're, you're, you're similar personalities at all, but you can clearly see this. There's something about Rovers that is getting something out of them. Well, there's there's definitely a, a similar trend um, in both of us. Uh, we were both at other League of Ireland clubs, um, showed potential at other League of Ireland clubs, and then you know moved to Shamrock Rovers and took that potential probably to another level really. Mm. And um, I've been, I, I was actually on the phone to Glenn Cronin a few weeks ago, and I, I said to him, Danny Mandrew's been the one player that I've been massive, him and Liam Scales, the two of them, but in particular, Danny Mandry, I've been really impressed with him because I, I knew what Scales he can do. Um, and, you know, the feedback Glenn said, he's, he's been great and around the place, his attitude's top class. And, um, you know, that's, these are things maybe last year when when he wasn't playing at Bowes, you, you see these things getting questioned, but until you actually know the player, you, you, you know, you, you don't actually know. It's just all talk. And I'm absolutely delighted for that. Danny started the season really well and he works his socks off uh, off the ball. Um, well, it seems that from watching. Mm-hmm. Um, so long may that continue for him. And I think he'll he'll continue to have a great season for over this year. And in, in terms of you're, you're going into something of the unknown in terms of the SBL. So yeah. when you played in that game against Milan last year, what did that tell you about the chasm between the level you're at, the level you can go to? Um, to be honest, you know, the the Milan game last year, I felt that we did quite well as a team. You know, there was periods in the game where we we kept the ball, we showed good confidence as a team to to try and pass it and try and do the right things. And you know, they they were taken by surprise about that that we actually tried to do that. How do you mean? Um, you know, like the, a team like AC Milan coming to tell that, and and the eleven that they put out uh, was a really strong eleven, and you know they they fully pressed us from from the get go, um, but we we still took a ball under pressure at times and tried to play out from the back, and we we actually played football in their half at times, which which probably took them, you know, as a surprise because uh, you know. They probably expected us to just cave in when they put pressure on us for for them being such a massive club. But um, we we obviously had a lot of confidence in our own ability, and and we tried to implement our own game. But in saying that, you know when it when it did go two 0 there was stages where you knew that they could just go up the levels. Um, they they can play one two touch when they want. They can turn it on and turn it off and. That 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 for me showed you know the levels in football um, that these guys you know they can go up the levels at the click of a finger basically and um, you know it was a, it was a good learning experience for our whole squad because after that game I think the games in our in, in the league then you know the you get get more time on the ball um, your touch just seems to be better your passing's crisper. Um, and I think we learned a lot as a squad from it and we carried on good form for the, the rest of the league. We scored a lot of goals after we played Milan and, you know, for me going into the SPL next year, I've seen the standard 
of a team like Milan. Um, and, you know, as a player going in the, what you would call the unknown, all you can do is, is prepare yourself in the best, best shape and the best way possible um, and have that self-confidence in yourself to, to go on and, and do well in an unknown league. And that's, that's where my mindset's at at the minute. Um, so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I, I think that, um, sorry, I, I just think that like from an Irish perspective, a lot of people are sort of maybe a bit indifferent to the SBL. Then you get the hardcore Celtic fans. But with Eddie Howe, Stephen Gerrard, with what's going on in St. Mirren, and yourself at hearts, and Stephen Bradley has said that he sees you as a future Ireland international, you must be absolutely buzzing for where this could take you in the season ahead. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, Johnny. It's um, it's a massive opportunity for me. Uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't come here, certainly the rest of my laurels, and say, oh, it's, it's great that I got a move out of the League of Ireland or whatever. That, that's not the case. I've, I've come to a massive club um, which is, you know, a great achievement for me, and it, it they start with, and then it's about me trying to progress myself as a football player. And I think, you know, the the day you you get you lose that hunger, um, you're I've done. been told before you're you're done. And I I certainly haven't lost that hunger at the age of twenty five, and I'm going to be twenty six in July, so I still have it's that. Only twenty five. Um, <laughs> Bloody hell! Dan, um, do you remember so, being twenty five? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I probably met you once or twice, Johnny, but neither of us remember it. But anyway, let's. What age is the on. brother Jordan? He is twenty now. Oh my God! So you're you're uh, twenty five. You've gone over to the SPL peak of your career type stuff. What can go wrong? Nothing can go wrong for you. It's all uphill from here. Well, the thing is, Johnny, like it's uh, you know it's an exciting opportunity, as I say, and you know. I'm going to try and prepare myself uh, as best I can um, for the start of next season. And I want to hit the, hit the ground running, really, um, because, you you know, in football, you never know what could happen. And uh, the spotlight, so it, it's a great league and there's a lot of coverage on this league. Um, you only have to look at someone like Jamie McGrath this year. He's, he's done excellently in the SPL and... Um, you know, he deserves all the pl- plaudits he's getting at the moment because he's, he, as I say, he's, he's had an excellent season. But um, that's, you know, I, w- I want to go into the SPL and, and make an impact. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Just finally, before we let you go, Aaron, I mean, um, Ireland-wise, you, you were in that that squad briefly last autumn. Um, has Stephen, have you had any contact with Stephen Kenny since your move? Is there any sense that people are keeping... In- Annoying you because I know there's a training camp and stuff coming up, and everyone wants to be in it. Um, any sense of where you are in his thoughts? I haven't. Uh, I haven't spoke to Stephen um, personally. Um, I know when Rory was still in the job, Rory was over at one of our games, um, watching the game, and then he was going to watch Jamie McGrath. It was the weekend we played Alaba, and I scored my first goal. That he was over watching that game, and. Uh, but as as for contact with Stephen, I haven't actually had any personal contact with him. Um, I know there's a, a training camp coming up and it's definitely something that I would like to be part of. Um, I'm not too sure when the squad's going to be announced, but um, I would like to be part of it and I would like to be part of Ireland squads in the future. So all I can do is, is keep working hard and, and playing well at uh, a club level 
and then you know it's in the international manager's hands and they pick the squad so um it's definitely you know something that I want I want to be part of as as Ireland squads and I really want to represent my country because for me it would be the the biggest honor of my career to be honest yeah, it's, Listen, uh, that that squad uh, that squad is announced next week. So we'll, uh, hopefully we'll the hopefully then. the boy. The, the last question is: Is it true Jack Byrne is going to be the the godfather of Little Pigs? <laughs> <laughs> Jack would probably tell you. Yeah, uh, when when the baby was born, I was um I was on the phone to Jack. I FaceTimed him. The baby's lying on my chest, and there he was shouting, "Uncle Jack's senior ready and stuff." So. Um, I don't know, me, but my my brother is a golfer, but Jack will still call himself a golfer. You know he how he is. <laughs> He's more of an Uncle Jack than a Big Jack, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks a million uh, for your time, Aaron. Cheers, lads. Good to see you. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, thanks to Aaron McAniff uh, for coming in on the show. Exciting times for him, Dan. Um, when you think about it, like he's just had his first child, mid twenties, moved to another country not that long ago. The cusp of playing in the SPL and um, probably getting into Ireland squads in the future. Good time to be Aaron McAniff. A lot going on for the lad, yeah. Mm. But um, and look, everyone will have their COVID stories, don't they? You know, everyone will have their pandemic stories. And, you know, for a lot of people, life has gone on hold. But obviously, you know, for others, you know, sort of seismic events have, have happened for them. And um, you'll always have a 2020, 20, 2021 story more than 2020, although 2020 wasn't bad either. I'll actually start with the first division fixtures this weekend. Um, I am making my return to Turner's Cross. Really looking forward to that. Haven't been down in a long, long time to see Galway United anyway. I think the last time was in Turner's Cross. So forgettable league game against Bowles. Um, but yeah, things have just gone downhill for Cork. They've kind of made a bit of a rally of late. Good result against UCD. So that's Cork Galway. Um, all these games are Friday night, 7.45. Cabin Teeley Treaty, both of them going well. Wexford, who were desperately unlucky not to get something in Galway, they host Bray Wanderers. Oh, yeah, Galway really, needed I, that I, one, didn't they? As much as, um, you know, you're watching the game, hoping Galway will score, obviously, as a fan, I did feel very sorry for Wexford. They didn't really deserve what befell them. Shelburne, UCD, that's going to be a cracking game, I think, in Tolka. And the other game, Athlone versus Cove Ramblers. Um, just the, the, the Premier Division fixtures. I see, uh, I, see, I see Cork City, by the way, have just announced that uh, Corey Galvin has left the club by, by mutual consent. Interesting. Interesting. Um, change in there. Premier Division. Yeah, I think this set of fixtures really does intrigue me. Just, I mean, from the perspective of what what crack we could have if Dundalk somehow give Rovers like a beating um, on Friday. That's the 7.45 game. Finn Harpstraw had a 7.45. Sligo, Longford, uh, 7.45. But the the, the two early games that obviously interest me is Watford. Derry going to go ahead, Dan? Oh, it should do. Mark Bertram has been tweeting away from the training ground and facilities. So um, I, I know they had a second case, but that was while in isolation. So does, uh, I mean, we're talking now on, on Tuesday. So um, right. I, I would hope so. Um, the other so. game, the other game. I, I, if, we'll, obviously, cr- we'll obviously crudely edit it in afterwards. <laughs> if it doesn't. We'll have our weekly Waterford uh, insertion into the pod. The other game really intrigues me. Pats against Bowes. Pats Double intrigue. Against, what's that? Injured, like that's a double use of intrigue in yeah. the space of this is like you are super intrigued by this. You are like uh, sort of some kind of emoji where someone looks really, really curious Ooh. or interested. Poli- political you know? intrigue. Bose, um, two very comfortable wins on the bounce, a team that were definitely better than their performances. 
And you kind of have predicted it last week that Pats were going to find a tough and draw it on the back of the, just the, the, the sickening nature of that Shamrock Rovers defeat. They didn't turn up in the first half. They didn't play well. They lost that game. And now they host both who are on the up and just Austin Devoy again. You know, we saw that goal obviously um, against Drada, but his little trickery for the first goal as well in Longford. He's coming into play. Love the way Tierney plays. Dinny Corcoran is going into um, himself as well. The two Scottish players you mentioned, both are on the up. They play Pats at a good time. Fascinating game. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, I think this one, like, Bowes are probably looking at Pats and thinking, eh, have they got ahead of us? Like, mm. should we be there? You know? And I, I certainly, I think that's obviously a particular gap that a lot of people will be monitoring, you know, um, across the season. As much as we want one of them to be looking up to challenge in Rovers, there's, it, it may well be that, you know, a battle for second is... is is the most interesting battle that we have. Um, and like Bowes obviously need to be mindful of, you know, Sligo Rovers, you know, and, and the situation there. And, and listen, you know, John Dawk have, have this battle over, you know, getting, you know, still talking about they need to qualify for Europe, which is sort of unthinkable that they wouldn't with their budget. But I, I think there's, a, there's a generally a fair assumption that, uh, and it's been consistently right in recent years, that the, the cup winners tend to come from you know, tend to be either the league winners or the runners up. So you you always probably to to expect the top four, you know, to to be enough for Europe is probably correct. But you can't you can't be one hundred percent certain of it. You for know, particularly sure, yeah. this season, particularly this season where you know Rovers in a couple of games, you know, have 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 risked defeat to sides below them. So it's not you know it's not you know not one hundred percent a given. And um, you'd be going to Oriel. That is the plan, yes. I see Jim Magilton, there's a suggestion, James Rogers reporting that Jim Magilton will try and meet the protest leaders um, to see if if they can, I, I'm guessing with a view to try and defusing that situation in some way, because that that does have the potential to be the most interesting aspect of Friday, is, is seeing what the response is. Is there, you know, is there anger out there? Is it just a Facebook thing? Are a lot of people more angry but indifferent in terms of going out there? Who knows? Like, and and you don't really want to be encouraging people to turn up for something like that either. Like, clearly, it's still make your own judgments. Well, public health wise, obviously, you yeah. still have to be wary of of of, of movements as much as you know an outdoor event and stuff. You know, and I think, in fairness, they were suggesting that anyone who should go should be very conscious of their the COVID consciousness. But clearly, I mean, I I, I don't know what what Jim and Jill can say in a meeting, um, to to say you know to 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 sort of dissuade people from. You know their strong feelings and fears, and um, I suppose what you might say is, you know, well, give us a chance to get this appointment right and see what happens. And um, but, you know, we, we shall see. I suppose we will. We'll, we may or may not be talking about it next week. It sort of depends how you know how meaningful it is, and I mean, hopefully the game is is an interesting one. We do have a full round of fixtures on Monday as well, which I suppose probably you know as much as anything will probably be more likely to. The game moves on quickly, so we'll be talking about them next week too. So, yeah, Monday's games are, uh, again, two at 5.45, Derry against St. Pats and Bowes against Dundalk. Um, two very interesting games there, to be honest. You know, Higgins v. O'Donnell and one, and again, Bowes and Dundalk. Again, two teams probably eyeing up the same place at this stage. And Waterford, Finn Harps is the 7.45, draw to Longford, 7.45. And then Rovers v. Rovers, Shamrock Rovers, Sligo Rovers or... Rovers against Sligo or Shams. Rovers against Shams, depending on whatever your perspective Bit of may be. So on. 
that's um that's an interesting one. We may have an Ireland squad next Monday as well, too. Um that, that might be of interest in some shape or form. And then yeah, we have one more round of games, then we're into the break. Thanks very much for uh listening to episode 10 in association with future ticketing. I was on to the future ticketing lads beforehand. They are absolutely buzzing for crowds to come back, working towards getting kind of Working towards getting crowds back at the races as well and so forth. I, I we didn't mention that start showdown, but the the the, the Swansea um, Barnsley game it was so much better. It was so much oh, better. No, it was only like it's a game changer or whatever. Like, and I've been talking like I, I did it in my newsletter last week. People can sign up for my newsletter at the end of talking about watching the Australian A League mm. in the mornings and um, you know definitely the, the rhythm and the noise of the crowd really enhances your enjoyment. So Jay O'Shea getting interviewed at half time oh, wow. there. For one of the games, and Andy Kyo scored four goals last week in the game. Roy O'Donovan's still going. Um, I think Roy O'Donovan was like, you know, I don't know, there can't be too many players that were active outfield in 2005, 2006, you know, that that Cork City era, yeah, that are um, that are that are still playing. Um, so there is that, and yeah, listen, do you know why people have this discussion, Johnny, about uh, you know, when pubs open, which pub would they like to go to for a pint or whatever? Which ground, maybe leave out Galway, right? Because obviously, you know, you have your, your personal connection there. Which which ground are you looking forward to returning to most? With a, like, a, you know, a match night vibe. Daily you know, a proper match night vibe. Daily minutes. Yeah, yeah. I see your point on that one. Although I am, I have to say, I'm really looking forward to the Brandywell. When, if they get a, if they get, the, the Brandywell is still arguably the best atmosphere in the league when it's, when it's gone. And if the Brandywell singing crew get their act together to, to kind of go along with the Higgins revolution or whatever it turns out to be, that could be a pretty special place as well. Yeah. Again. I think I'm, I'm looking forward to all of them in their own way, you know, even Tala, like, you mm. know, just uh, seeing all the old lads in Tala at halftime and the Glen Miller, like having their cup of tea and, you know, just that sort of home of activity and stuff like that match night home of activity. You really miss it. You know, you really do miss it. So, um, Hopefully soon. Hopefully we can stop banging this drum all the time and, and let other people actually go to stadiums and bang drums. But we will we will return next week and we'll talk to everyone then. And that was in association with futureticketing.ie.